Hello, everybody. Welcome to number 39 of our wonderful uh, podcast video cast called Pod Speed. As always, I'm joined by my, uh, uh, what, what would I call nemesis? No, you aren't, you aren't my nemesis, James. You're my, you're my, <laughs> be- you're one of my best buddies there. But James McKeown of um, No Breaking uh, podcast, which we will talk about a little later, and Taro Koki, uh, who okay. makes all of this happen, president of GT Channel. And today we have a guest who obviously needs no introduction. Uh, the man has uh, won and has shined in everything he has uh, touched. Uh, any steering wheel, the guy will take it to the checker first. Um, and of those of you who've seen the uh, show uh, Top Gear America, uh, Mr. Tanner Faust. How's it going, Tanner? Good. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Appreciate it. It's good. We are, uh, we, you know, we're our... Um, our level of stardom with our guests are getting higher and higher. And Tanner, you are, you're, you're taking us to another realm. So we're glad to have you with us, man. I think it says a lot of where you started. Yeah. Um, we, well, we started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, not to say you're low, but I mean, we did start, but we're, we're, we're working our way up. We're, we're, we're at the promised land now. I mean, we've made it, yeah. you know, with you. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're there. You're we're there. there. We we're there. It. We this can't is, go anywhere else now. This is it. This is it. Honestly, yeah, number 39. Just stop it. Just stop it. We don't need to go to 40. We're done. It's, it's, all, all, down, it's all downhill from here anyway, right? It is. <laughs> Well, well, very Tanner, nice of you to say. Thank you, guys. No, no problem, Tanner. We've all—I mean, we've all run into each other. I mean, I've run into a couple uh, drift events. Uh, Taro, who's been covering drifting forever, uh, managed to track you down. So I'll let Taro—you know—start with the festivities. So go ahead, Taro. Yeah. Uh, track. Speaking of tracking you down, you know, we had Jim Lau the other day, and uh, we were talking about it's been ten years since uh, we went to the Middle East. You know, Abu Dhabi and Qatar. Remember that was that. That trip was that was ten years ago. Ten years ago already, right? Wow. Uh, yeah, we've had Frederick. Amazing. We've had Frederick on the show, and remember he took over your 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 uh, job oh, over awesome. at yeah. racing. So oh, we've had at Papadakis. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of full full circle now that we we have you. Um, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm still you know playing with uh, with Volkswagens. I, I think back then I was with. Scion. That was the very mm-hmm. end of the Toyota years. And then yeah. I raced for Ford for five or six years after that and got into rallycross in Europe and, and kind of worked to help bring that sport over to the US. Mm-hmm. And then Volkswagen had the e-ticket uh, with all their WRC wins that they were doing in rally racing. So I knew their rallycross car would be unbeatable. So I was lucky enough to get on board with VW and been playing with Volkswagen ever since. That's been you good. Speak, uh, that was a long German. time ago. You speak German by now? <clears throat> no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't. But it's been it's been a good experience with them. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, it ten years ago though Abu Dhabi that that was the last I, that was the last Formula Drift event I did. Actually, I, I did come back in the a Passat a Volkswagen you did the Passat. Passat. Yeah, yeah kind of for fun yeah mm-hmm. to build a taxi we 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 right, right. we wanted to build a four seat taxi mm-hmm. out of a monster car papadakis built it but um to kind of pay for it we needed to do some events it was, and i thought it'd be fun to go back and do some of the formula drift events and it really was yeah, um yeah. but yeah 10 years that's amazing yeah and we shot that um the night drift thing at uh, horse thief mile too when you uh 
when you're shaking down that that Passat too. That was that was that was an interesting car. <laughs> that was it. It's a it was a big girl. Still have it. Yeah, and uh, still has the same. You know, it's very much the same except the roll cage we extended to the back, put four seats in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've run it for the Hoonigan this or that series a few times. I, mm-hmm. I take it out to Optima Batteries does these track days. And I take it out there and give rides. It's 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 one of the most um, fun things I think for me. I found is, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you drifting. I was always a big advocate for drifting, and mm-hmm. um, you know, telling people about it. This is back when it people didn't hadn't heard the word before, you know, and it, and it was just yeah. sort of getting going in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of explanation of what the sport was, and it it was always the kind of thing, well, if you could just get in the car, you'd know what's so addicting about it and what's so fun about it, and so that's what the taxi is about, and and everybody I've given a ride, you know, the hook's in deep, so mm-hmm. it, um, it's a great, I think it's a great experience, and it's great f- selfishly for me to be able to mm-hmm. share, share drifting in such kind of an intimate way to actually rip them around in a 900 horsepower car and do some speed and, and have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's uh, rewind a little bit. Um, so you're from Colorado, right? But I, did you, did I read you grew up in like Scotland or somewhere like uh, in, the, in Europe or some, somewhere? My, I was a military brat. Oh, okay. I was a military brat. So, you know, moved around. So my, my dad has always lived in Colorado. Okay. Um, my folks got divorced when I was three. My mom got remarried when I was nine and, to a, a guy in the Navy. So we started uh, jumping around from there. Nice. So from about nine to 13, we lived in Scotland. In, uh, I mean, it was where, uh, uh, where in, Scotland, in, in the north. Where in Scotland? Yeah, because I used to um, live in Scotland. The northeast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you didn't? We have, yeah. yeah we, I can uh, tell James is accent. actually not the, uh, the Scottish one here. Yeah. No, that's old Sam. You could tell in his accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I could bring it on when I have a couple of Scottish <laughs> Sam Matani. I think is how we pronounce him around here. Which city did you live in? Um, I lived in a well. It was called Farnell. The closest oh, town was Brecon, and the closest town to Brecon was Montrose, which is halfway between Aberdeen and Dundee. Oh, okay. So, so our address was literally. Yeah. Yeah. Were you on in, the East Coast then? Oh, I was right smack in the middle. I was in a place called Perthshire. Do you remember? They call it Perth over yep, there. Yep. But uh, Perthshire, Perth. a small town. Still, you eat your Right. Exactly. The <laughs> yeah. There's. <laughs> so if you went straight east from there, you would have been to Montrose, which at the time was the uh, the end of the train line, okay. and the uh, we were ten miles inland, so we were much closer to the coast. Wow. Uh, so than you cool. were, but about in the same place. Mm, yeah, it didn't, it didn't seem that cold, right? Uh, it, I mean, no, I, yes, I was, it's cold crazy. and it snows and and it was, yeah. it was I was I was young. So nine to 13, uh, okay. you know, I was invincible. I do remember that in the winter though, man, it was dark, you know, but by law you had to carry a flashlight to school um, mm. between certain months because it was dark when you went to school and it was dark when you got home. Yeah. But the summers were awesome. Yeah. And what were you doing out there, Sam? Uh, I was kind of uh, taking a little holiday from uh, university. So I went there. I was lived there for six months and lived in London and then came back here and finished Sweet. Up college. So, yeah. So I was 19 when I was there. So I felt the oh, cool, but awesome. I think a little more than you, mate. So it was only like two or three years ago for Sam. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, Tanner. Sorry to uh, interrupt, but uh, from Scotland on then. 
Colorado. Yeah, well, Scotland was a good experience. You know, there was the, the I, we lived in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And this guy, Rob, who owned Rob's bus service, who <laughs> the military contracted to take all the kids from the American housing to the American base where the school was. Mm. Um, Rob was this big Scottish guy who had a couple buses and he came and picked me up in his Volvo every morning. And he would aim for the pheasants. He was amazing at hitting pheasants, actually. He was a master. And he could get in their heads. You could see um, he would just shoot for their like back, their, their tails, because they would always juke one way and then run the other way. So Scotland. Bam. <laughs> yeah, he'd hit them, pull out, and he'd throw it in the back, and his wife would make pies out of them at night. That was his dinner. He'd be hunting for dinner on the way to work. But so we'd get there. I'd hold my foot on the throttle on the bus. He'd defrost the windows with pots of hot water. And, um, but he'd let me drive his Volvo whenever it snowed, which was fun. Wow. And so from age 10 on, I was addicted to driving. I mean, I prayed for snow so I could slide his Volvo around. Um, mm. And uh, that's where I got hooked to call him McRae was from not far from there. And, right. and you know, I got hooked on the driving thing while, so, while in so Scotland. How many people sure. Tanner know that you first developed your, your car control skills as a lad in Scotland <laughs> driving in Scotland. some dude's Volvo. Not many people. Oh, uh, yeah, with the know grill story, all right? messed up and <laughs> covered in pheasant hair yeah. and pheasant fur and blood. Yeah. Um, that's where it all started. Yeah, that's a good, wow. Yeah, aiming, you know, killing pheasants. That's, yeah, let's kill some birds. I'm, I'm psyched. Well, at least they weren't peasants. So. No, it's <laughs> wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's. Yeah, you don't talk about it very often, but it. Yeah, Scotland was a good experience, and Amazing. and living in the country, that was my first time really living way out in the country. That is, mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Yeah, and then but from there back moved to back Colorado? to yeah. Napa. Uh, okay. That was to, then went to to California to Napa, mm -hmm. um, and went to Napa High School, then Vienna, Virginia, and then. Um, moved college uh in boulder colorado wow okay got it and then when yeah. did you start rallying though when did you when did you start driving like competitively that was well the the you know moved back in when i was 13 and didn't obviously get my license till i was 16 in california and that was the longest three years of my life for sure because i'd been driving almost on a daily basis for years in scotland now and my mom would let me go drive. I, mean, I got to drive all the time. And it was my favorite thing to do for sure. And then three years of watching my older brothers and sisters flounder around getting their licenses, hitting trash cans. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got my license in Napa, um, moved to Virginia, finished out high school. And so when I went to school in Boulder, I went for, um, uh, graduated with a biology degree. And it wasn't until I graduated that I really decided I wasn't, didn't, I'd rather be a race car driver than a doctor and, mm. and went down that road. Mm. Um, got so a job at, at the an ice driving school in Colorado, yeah. which I'm actually going to tomorrow with my daughter, which will be full circle. She's 15 oh, and a half wow. and she's going to take an you ice driving class tomorrow. Daughter? Oh my God. Insane. <laughs> Yeah, she's only eight years younger than I am. That's I weird. <laughs> the, uh, How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> had her in Scotland. Um, but the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was a, uh, the ice driving school was a great experience from a driving standpoint, but that's where I learned about rally racing um, mm -hmm. on an actual experience level, not just a watching Colin McRae yeah, yeah. level. Yeah. And, and when, it, yeah, and so we had yeah. kind of a rally course and 
Mm-hmm. And how, how did that you know, it's like translate to drifting though? Was that, was it like, when did you hear about it and why did you decide to come down and try out drifting? You know, it was, so in the winter I worked at the ice driving school mm-hmm. and um, we did cool stuff. We had military programs and, and race car guys and all kinds of stuff. And, and so got connected to an industry called the ride and drive world, which I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you guys are familiar with, but these marketing events the manufacturers put on where they set oh, up yeah, yeah, cross yeah. courses and you come to a little oh, yeah. two hour race school, right? BMW ultimate driving experience, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing ride and drives in the summer and we were doing the BMW program. Uh, Samuel uh, Hubenet was um, visiting from Sweden mm-hmm. and uh, saw this autocross course and showed up and came and went through the program and beat some of the instructors on the mm-hmm. time <laughs> lap and ended up getting a job there. Okay. And so he would come over from Sweden to do these ride and drives. Mm-hmm. And he and Rich Rutherford, another guy, the mm-hmm. name yeah, that probably yeah. sounds familiar. And um, some, a, a guy named Nick Kuhnwalter from way back in the day, they mm-hmm. rented a stock 350Z and did the first uh, D1 event that came to um, LA. Yeah, and he skipped that. out on work at the time. I was the lead instructor and he was like, yeah, bro, I'm not going to be there. Sorry. And I was like, you know, <laughs> what the hell? And, and covered for him. And then he started talking about the drifting stuff and, and it mm-hmm. sounded super cool. I mean, I'd watch the option videos and I, mm-hmm. and I um, didn't think about it as a career direction, but I mm-hmm. showed up for the next one. I think Laguna Seca, mm-hmm. 2003. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? I think it was like yeah. a Yokohama Invitational. I think Ken so. Gushi yeah, yeah. won it and he was like seven <laughs> yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. And his dad <laughs> cried and yeah, it was, it was awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff is was, I got third. Pre, uh, pre, uh, yeah. draft, right? That was still D1 days, right? We're doing yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was still D1 days. Uh, Reese got second. I got third. I was in the Jasper Supra, mm. which Tyler McQuarrie went on to drive for us, I think, at least a season after that. Mm-hmm. Reese had pulled out his Pontiac thing and he was like the Austrian ski team from uh, <laughs> I don't know, hot dogs or whatever that ski movie is, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Uniforms, and, and he was like all put together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody else was like, you know, scraping by wrenches falling out of their shoes and stuff. Yeah. And um, <laughs> with so with this posse. But, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the wind Matt, blowing you know, in his hair. Real racing suit with yeah. real like embroidered, you know, GTO logos and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, you, you know, he set the bar. That's and yeah. and you know, Samuel was probably the next one that came in with the manufacturer mm-hmm. with Dodge, which we were doing Dodge ride and drives, and that's how Samuel got that Viper. Oh, um, that got Dodge it. program. Got it. Was because we were doing the Dodge ride and drives, and he hooked up mm-hmm. with a marketing guy there. I see. Um, and so that's just how I got into the drifting thing was the, the you know, D1 came and did that deal. I, I, I there was a guy, um, Terrence Jenkins was a friend. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I went and drove his car. Uh-huh. Uh, do you remember funny, you know, it's a small world, Tarl, to be honest, because I've literally, um, you remember drift buffet? Yeah. 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 Uh, I remember that. Drift Buffet, and um, who was it that ran that? Uh, he was in China for a long time. Now he's an airplane mechanic. Um, oh, really? Anyway, I ran one of his cars, and he wanted to turbocharge a KA. Nobody done it. He was like, I'm going to turbocharge a KA. Nobody's been able to put more than nine pounds of boost. I lived in Colorado. I'd fly mm-hmm. over, 
pop a hose off second gear every single time, get back on a plane, used all my United miles. Um, and, uh, then finally went and got hooked up with the McKinney brothers. Yeah. Remember the McKinney's? I remember them. Yeah. Yeah. The Z, yeah. right. We were, yeah. 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 We did the, Oh, it wasn't the Z yet. It was still an S 14 and oh, okay. we, an S 13. We did our first, it was the first full season. I think four events, I think FD mm-hmm. was doing then. Yeah. And then that's when Papadakis came in from drag racing and, and right, was right. like, Hey, we'd like to do a second car. And mm-hmm. they, they said it's any, any car's fine. As long as it's a 350 Z. I'm like, all right, sounds good. So that's what we yeah. did. Yeah. That's when he was still driving too. Right. We had, we had Steph on the show too. Did you really? Yeah. He's, yeah. he built the S 2000. Mm-hmm. Remember it was, um, I, I drove that. It was the most beautiful S 2000 ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, the Z was good. And, and I had just finished working on Tokyo drift, mm-hmm. um, fast and furious Tokyo drift where we had a 350 Z. I was, I was, doubling dk for the movie who was in mm-hmm. a gray 350z mm-hmm. with an apr twin turbo kit so we yeah. took that same kit we put it in the race car and um you know super familiar with the car after spending 60 nights sliding it around right hand drive but whatever right. same thing mm-hmm. and then yeah. um and so that actually working on that movie really elevated my drift game um, oh really one because i practiced in the car so much mm-hmm. and um you know was so familiar with the power band just everything comfortable in the car yeah and two yeah. just yeah just seat time now yeah not but, a lot of people know that it's hard to get practice time you know like people think that like professional like do you like formula drift drivers are like practicing all the time but mm-hmm. some some guys don't you know they don't practice at all they just go and test and then it's like competition right it's um, yeah I, I was doing a full season of rally racing while getting into drifting i did both mm-hmm. of those for eight years simultaneously and while the rally racing wasn't as public as drifting it just didn't you know have the same marketing machine behind it yeah um it was still good seat time mm-hmm. and so uh i i always had everything was practice Mm-hmm. Um, drifting after a number of years, it's a great thing for these guys, honestly, because they know the tracks, the cars, are, you know, the rules change a little bit and what the judges yeah. are looking for changes a little bit, but really they don't need to do that much testing. It's really just about as long as it's reliable mm-hmm. and then, and, you know, the manufacturer hasn't come out with a new tire or something for them to try out. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, they just plug and play. And then they're just a marketing machine at that point. What was it like, um, uh, stunt driving for for dk did you did you meet like keiji tsuchiya and all those guys when you were in japan um i didn't shoot in japan reese went to japan they only there's okay. only really one sequence that was shot in japan um it's mm. very very short mm. um it's very difficult to shoot there yeah so yeah. it's a lot easier to close down roads in la cover everything in signage and then yeah, yeah. green screen everything that's in the distance oh, okay. um so uh, 99.9% of it was here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had met um, Tsuchiya before mm-hmm. uh, because of all the D1 stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, had done many of those events. And, um, but yeah, on, on set also we spoke. Uh, uh, there's one scene where the red Evo is spinning around hitting stuff and he's, and he's like a fisherman sitting there, yeah, like going, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, shaking he, his yeah, head. That's right. He was a fisherman in that movie. That's right. Right. So that was the only time he was really on set uh, okay. in California, I think. Yeah. Uh, I so we spoke I then. 
that was actually Samuel. Uh, I was Reese driving the Evo in the right seat with a steering wheel about this big. <laughs> Uh, you know, in the left seat, and then the camera looking at the actor, you know, holding a fake steering wheel. Oh, okay. Um, so that was a special car. So they were sitting side by side, but he was hiding down low, you know, where Reese was. <laughs> um, Drifting blind. And literally, it's the smallest little, I don't know, I think Sparko made the steering wheel just, it was delight. it looked like a small little salad plate. It was so small. Wow. wow. But, but yeah, that was a good experience working on that movie. I mean, it was, we, we all knew that that was going to be um, one of the first times that drifting as a Mm -hmm. sport and a bit of a culture was going to be put into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, everybody's real proud to be a part of that. That's cool. And were you already getting hooked up with Top Gear around that time? Or was that way after that? Hooked up? What do you mean? Like auditioning and, you know, getting ready for Top Gear USA. Oh, for Top Gear. Um, I was doing shows already. So, you know, I had been, um, oh my gosh, I did such. You had a couple uh, of shows. I remember a lot of shows you hadn't seen. You remember Redline TV? Redline TV, yeah. Did that one. Mm -hmm. I did, uh, I took over for, which was an honor to take over for Sal Masakela when he moved on to the E channel, he was doing import racers. I don't know if you remember Sal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Was hosting Sal- import racers. Yeah, Salima. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then was um, so a couple after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hot, um, Supercars Exposed, Battle of the Supercars with Paul Tracy. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a lot of speed channel type stuff. And then mm-hmm. um, when Top Gear came, uh, they, I did an audition for it, which was kind of like, just go up and meet them in the office sort of a thing. Yeah. And had lunch with Adam Carolla, who Mm -hmm. was their host. They had already chosen and, um, was good. And then we went and looked for a third host and that was for an NBC show that never Mm -hmm. aired. I see. Uh, and, and we, we, we did tests with everybody in the car industry. It was the three of us talking, going, driving, Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse James to, I mean, you name it. And, um, that was super fun. We shot a pilot that was super expensive and very fun. And then the show didn't fly. I think, uh, they said that Knight Rider was their other car show and it didn't Mm -hmm. fly. So they were pulling the plug on top gear also. So then history channel picked it up. Yeah. And thankfully we found, you know, Rutledge and Adam Farrar and, and I was lucky to still be a part of it kind of grandfathered in from that NBC stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, we had a freaking blast. We had yeah. Rutledge on the show too, on this one, on the podcast. So it really is also. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you were already on your way downhill then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's suffice cool. to say, Tanner, he didn't say any nice things about you. He said everything was terrible. Everything was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was uh, telling us how crazy your garage is, though. Hey, At Tanner, I was. Uh, yeah. Well, and I was wondering, what was your experience? What's that? that uh, what was your experience doing that? Uh, do you remember that international? Uh, it was kind of a, like a rally cross competition the, where you had the all race the race of champions, sport. right? It was You're it called the about... race of champions. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think you know, you had the Formula race One of champions, stars yeah. there. You were the you were uh, was it two two drivers from each country? Was it? I can't it remember. Two from each country. Yeah, yeah. and I remember you were oh, you, three... you, you did three of those. Yeah, and I was watching those on TV. Going did three Man. of them. 
Tanner's like must be going, whoa, man, I'm 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 sharing this track and competing against the greatest drivers in the world here. Yeah, this is this is awesome. I'm, I was bizarre. feeling awesome for you. Yeah, uh, what was the well, like? Yeah, the first, first the out, first year yeah. was. Do, do you remember yeah. what year the first year? Sorry, was? go ahead, Sam. Uh, do you remember what year the first year was? I can't remember. I, I was definitely wearing Rockstar, so okay, that means it was. Um, 2006 or later. I would say the first year I did it was probably 2007 or 2008. I did it three years. It could have been a little later than that. But I just remember being in the the coolest part. Yeah, it was in the locker room. You know, the first one was in Wembley. The second one was in China. The third one was in Germany. And the first one at Wembley, okay, you're in an English speaking country. Everybody has meetings and this and that. And so the drivers would come together in the locker room, hang around bullshit. And oh my gosh, that was great race, whatever. And then disperse. Mm-hmm. Um, in China, the drivers would come together and then there was nowhere to really go. So mm-hmm. we all hung out together. We all went on the tour bus to, I mean, everybody except Schumacher. Schumacher was in his own world. And right. it always seemed weird in the days leading up to it that, that he was in his own world. And it, literally every other entry was just hanging out like we were on a high school field trip. But... <laughs> Um, then when you got to the actual stadium and there were 80,000 people there, they introduced everybody name by name mm-hmm. crickets every single time. I've never been standing next to Travis Pastrana and heard literally crickets after they said his name and then Michael Schumacher and the place exploded. Yeah. Well, and it's like, okay, that's why he's like sequestered off somewhere on his own. There were people that slept in the hotel for five nights in the lobby Just uh, to see him. To see him. Oh, yeah. really? It was, oh. yeah. He he was the most famous human being in the world. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there man, were other, other huge names there too, Tanner. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Name it. I mean, exactly. there, there's, there's everybody there. And, but, I mean, it was very telling when you went to Beijing and the only person anybody was there to see was Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Um but now they had, you know, they, this was before they had a Formula One race. So now they're fans, of course, of Vettel and, and everybody else who was there. Vettel was there in that, that year. Um, but, it, but it was a great experience. I noticed when I first walked into the uh, locker room, there's Grunholm, who later was my teammate. So that was kind of a nice uh, full circle thing years later. Um, and Schumacher and Sebastian Loeb and, and all these guys. And, and I just see like brochures for, for Jets and stuff falling out of their gym bags and things and i'm like you know i drive an s13 and you know that's like it's just a different uh you know it was it was amazing to be a part of that i did it fell into my uh lap a little bit um and into my backyard as far as driving goes because you drive a variety of cars, everything from Ferrari streetcar to a buggy on rally tires to a rally car to a whatever. And so I did do well on the track against, especially the Formula One guy. So I beat Jensen Button and Schumacher both in those buggies. And, uh, you know, I was an unknown drift guy, mm-hmm. but um, that only, that, that was kind of a story that came up because that was Jensen Button in uh in england you know at wembley beat him there at the after party he was introducing me as the guy that beat him and everything awesome. and i just ran across jensen button like a week ago mm-hmm. uh-huh. um doing a thing with a car company he's involved in called radford 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah. You remember that time in 2007 in those buggies when I you know, kicked your ass and I just, you know, it was amazing. That was the best thing. And he's like, have we met? I'm like, no, I know. Yeah, we've met. Trust me. We have met. I know you remember. I know you remember. It was a Thursday night. It was a little cold out, you know, and, you know, it's such a big deal for me. Right. But of course, not even a blip on the radar for these guys, which, um, I'm sure but, you remember Tanner. Was, Tanner, trust me, he remembered. Oh, I think you know pretended, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he oh, yeah. acted like he didn't remember that. It still yeah, burns for sure. to this day, Tanner. That's why exactly. I don't talk about it. It still burns. Oh, it's yeah. that one thing he regrets his whole career. Yeah. I know. One night. Right. I could hear him say under his breath, freaking drifter. You know, something like that. Like, a drifter, oh, a yank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots of it. No, but it, it was an honor to meet those guys. And it was very cool to see kind of how down to earth these people that are hero status. They, they, we, in, at Wembley, we couldn't, I could go anywhere, but they mm. could not mm. walk outside, mm. period. And we did an autograph signing. And it was the most chaotic thing I've ever experienced in my life. And people were bringing out socks. This was your sock. Well, you saw, you know, I found it on the outside your trailer six years ago. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it, the, um, the stardom factor for, for motorsports um, elite racers in the rest of the world is, is really mind boggling. I mean, Tanner, that's what Tara and I have to deal with, with Sam, to be honest. I mean, we, he still gets people talking to him about his garbage from three weeks ago that he's just t- throwing away. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a yeah. regular occurrence. Please now. sign this for me. Exactly. Yeah. This is your yeah. banana peel. This is, this is your piece of orange that you didn't finish, but it's just means so much yeah, to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. And then oh, Tanner, yeah. I was awesome. going to ask Tanner, how did you come across doing the Hot Wheels stuff for like the big jump and the loop? How did that yeah, also come about together? That. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. The, uh, so we were doing, um, dr- so drifting went on for about eight years, got involved in Rallycross briefly and we're looking for some sponsors. My manager at the time, Brian Gale had made a connection at Hot Wheels and they said they had this new direction. They wanted to go toys for real. And um, he said, you know, would you do one of these things for real? I was like, we can talk about it. Sure. Why not? And, you know, then that conversation carried on to, you know, well, we're thinking either the loop or the jump. And I was like, I'd say the, (laughs) the jump, if I had to choose, (laughs) because the loop seems impossible. So fine. So it was the jump. Okay. So then that turned into like engineering drawings and things to scale and looking at the size of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess we sure. Yeah. I mean, if you got the truck right and we had some practice, yeah, I guess, you know, and, and I'd never really, that's the thing in motorsport for anybody who's really tried to go raise money. You just kind of say yes to 10 things at once, hoping that one of them really happens. Right. Yep. So I just sort of kept going down the road and, and, it seemed cool and I love the Hot Wheels brand. And I mean, it's a, a dream brand to work with. And before you know it, they're showing pictures of building the actual ramp. And I'm just like, holy crap, this is really going to happen. And then we like <laughs> are looking at the truck and the insurance. You wouldn't believe it. This is one of the most sued companies in the world, right? From <laughs> kids swallowing. They've been swallowing cars since they were made, right? <laughs> so I know that's awful. Sorry. But um they got their so lawyers the, the, all... I mean, yeah, it was this yeah. thick. 
Then yeah. they're like, we're going to do it in the infield of the Indy 500 right before gentlemen start your engines on the hundredth anniversary of the race. It's like, Oh my gosh, the scale is insane. They rented no out pressure. the entire, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure, not at all. Rented out the entire Marriott for their staff on the Indy 500 weekend, which is like the pinnacle of Indianapolis in that time. Then they, um, there's a bar in the Indy 500 infield. That's a famous bar that you sit up on the roof and watch the race from because a tire could fall off the truck. If I crashed out of the explosion, if it was sent fast enough from the burning truck, <laughs> it could bounce towards this bar. So they had to rent out and pay for every theoretical drink that bar would have sold during the Whoa. Indy 500. Oh, like God. it was, the scale was over the top. That probably cost and more than Marriott. <laughs> Yeah, probably like it was staggering. And then you look at, and then they're like, by the way, we want to have you start from a hundred foot door, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause so it's like our toy, the, um, the V drop. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Um, so anyway, we did practice. We did like 50 jumps, broke the world record like 10 times during practice, mm -hmm. but found out how sensitive this truck was to wind. So it all came down to just a couple mile an hour wind of like a go, no go. Meanwhile, yeah, yeah. there's 300,000 people there. They've, you know, yeah. spent everything. They've sent out 250 people from the office mm -hmm. and uh, it was a lot of pressure and I'm just glad it worked out. Can that I ask, big, big stunt. Did, did you, or did they have you uh, put out life insurance on you, on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Do. I did life insurance and I had to carry, I had to carry my own policy, um, uh, a pretty big policy for, for the whole year, mm -hmm. actually, wow. but not just life insurance, but just liability insurance and workers comp and all that. The, but were, were you launching that truck? I mean, were, do you just like go full out or are you like kind of like breaking it to keep the nose down or how, how did that like there, technically happen? There was some cool innovation in the process, you know, mm. um, it was an off-road racing truck. It was built for short course racing. Those mm -hmm. Lucas off-road trucks, you know, they jump nice and yeah. they have the engine in the front, not in the back, uh -huh. like maybe a, like a Baja racer. Yeah. And they, um, they fly pretty nice, but, um, you, it, it's hard to keep them balanced in the air. So mm. we did learn some aerodynamic tricks to keep the air from getting underneath it. Because the problem is, as it's going through its arch, at this point, if it's pointed here, um, when it starts falling, the air gets underneath the hood and it backflips it. Yeah, yeah. And so you really need it to fly kind of like a, you know, like a football mm -hmm. um, and or a dart. But uh, so having some lower dam works, having some air release from the hood, big giant holes in the hood, which with Hot mm -hmm. Wheels, they could just make the toy look like that. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, the other thing you can do is hit the brakes in the air like a dirt bike and get the nose to pitch down once you're airborne because you got about 600 pounds of tire and wheel spinning at 100 right. plus miles an hour. Oh. So there's a lot of rotational moment that you can stop and put that rotational moment into the chassis and then the chassis right, right. pitches forward. I see. I see. Um, it's not as dramatic as a dirt bike because you know, the ratio of diameter to the weight and everything of the whole vehicle, but mm -hmm. it um, did have an effect. Um, so to answer your question, we found the best takeoff for me would have been hundred percent. Mm. That would have been the best possible scenario. So I could just be a robot and just, yeah. and just keep it wooded, yeah. but it wasn't, it was about 60% throttle was ideal. I see. Um, on the day, uh, 
it was very hot on Sunday. It was, it was nice and cool on Saturday. The jump was on Sunday. It was very hot. They said the car is going to be down a, a 190 horsepower wow. and they couldn't, it, it was carbureted. They didn't want to go messing with the jetting and everything because we didn't have time to try it out. Mm-hmm. So they're like, it's going to be down 190 horsepower. And, but That's you wow. still should be able to make the minimum hundred miles an hour to clear the gap. Should like, oh, great minimum. Should be should. To, that's, <laughs> yeah. Should. Yeah. I made the mistake of standing on that ramp and like looking at the gap. I mean, they had boxes and everything, but I mean, it was ugly if you didn't make it. So uh, you needed to see triple digits. I had two speedos. One was GPS. One was a wheel speed um, thing. The GPS was very accurate in a straight line but once you went up and added a, a third dimension to the gps there was a latency to it so it wasn't great so i went off the wheel speed indicator the wheel speed indicator was accurate but when you hit the compression the diameter of the tire changed so much the the wheel speed ramped up so you just mm-hmm. had to be kind of cognizant that's what testing is for is you learn that stuff so um i needed to see triple digits i i i didn't get triple digits by the bailout point so I stayed in a lot harder than I thought I, than I normally would. Yeah. And then as I came up the ramp, I was full throttle all the way up the face of the ramp. And then I guessed 60%, just guessed mm-hmm. at it real quick. And I, and I made it to 80% before it left the ramp. And so it, it flew nose high. Yeah. And so, and it's blue sky. So if you don't see the clouds going that way, then you hit the brakes. Okay. And so I hit the brakes pretty quick and I started, killed the motor in the process so that pitched it forward but it also started a rotation because of the the -hmm. rotation of the engine stopping yeah and so that's why the truck and it feels so slow in the air you're like oh this is no problem this is gonna be fine this is gonna be fine (laughs) but it's four seconds in the air and it just keeps rotating and rotating until finally it's like oh this is gonna hurt yeah and um you know suspension was unbelievable when you watch the video of how that absorbed it is a video up i can pull it up yeah that's awesome I mean, did you did you think did you think, hey man, I, I oh I'm sure you did. I, I might die. <laughs> I mean, a number of uh, times. Uh, no, or did you go? Nah, I think I. I, I think I, landing I, short, landing short was the scariest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did so many test jumps, and I had mm-hmm. a friend of mine, a guy named Paul Gerard, who incidentally was the Paul Stig Gerard, on the US yeah. Top Stig, Gear. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. know him. Yeah, yeah, the Stig. Yeah, so I, I, he was a backup driver just in case i got sick or chickened out and that was a stipulation from day one was that there's <laughs> a backup that. Oh, god oh, that is um, terrifying though look at that do you see those black marks coming down that I actually slid sideways down that thing the first time i tried it oh my god was a little scary but yeah so here you're 100 and then i'm trying to get back to 60 i only got to 80 and that kept the nose up mm-hmm. so right around here i hit the brakes and the God, nose starts far. to pitch down, but it also starts turning the truck <laughs> sideways, which doesn't seem like much, but it just kind of keeps turning. And then by the time it lands, the wheels actually go straight into the wood mm. um, because the tires fold out of the way for a second. Yeah. And I'd like to say that I did this little 360 to the camera on purpose, <laughs> but I didn't. I thought it was going to roll. Didn't look like you By did, the way, we yeah. only had, uh, we had, yeah. We only had 200 feet to slow down. And in the tests, we knew it was going to take almost 400 feet to stop. So they built the ramp and they're like, well, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> so yeah, is I was awesome. fully expecting to, uh, to end up in the fence. Yeah. But um, the kitty litter did its job. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that was that. And I was stuck right there. Unfortunately, I couldn't drive back up the ramp, but 
<laughs> you know yeah, that was quite an experience. The loop. Yeah, go ahead. What's that? No, I said well, uh, the, way the you, loop the way came up a few years later, I'm and they sorry, weren't going to. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. The loop came up a couple of years later, and it was uh, with Greg Tracy, and that was a double, double loop, and that was actually scarier, honestly, because it was well, one that we that whole little catch system didn't really work. Um, <laughs> God, that's just obnoxious. I was there. I saw hey. that with my son when you did this. The, uh, the loop. Oh yeah. There's yeah, there's a weird. Do you see that car right there? That car is a Mitsubishi Evo. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the Evos was the first car I bought new in 2003. Mm. Um, which was uh, they it had been sold to Rich Rutherford, and Rich Rutherford okay. turned it into a drift car, and then yeah, he yeah. sold it to Billy Hammond, who owned the picture car warehouse that built these things. Mm -hmm. And now we were flipping the thing upside down. So it's kind oh. of a weird full loop, or as it were. Paul Tracy was a Mitsubishi guy too, though. He did. Uh, he did. Paul, didn't he? Uh, Paul he, Tracy was. He drove. Oh, Greg uh, Tracy. Oh, Greg Tracy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for Pikes Peak. Yeah, for right? Pikes Peak. Yeah, that's, that's right. Drove I mean, he's 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 known as a motorcycle guy. You know, he has eight yeah. wins at Pikes Peak, and raced Ducatis up there. But he's an amazing driver and a bona fide stunt man. Oh man, look at that! So, um, yeah, that was. I almost didn't make this jump. You almost didn't. I see the. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was my turbo inlet hose had popped off. We had something break on the cars every time we practiced the loop. We did it three times, and then finally we're like, let's just pack this thing up, take it to L.A., and do it for real. Because <laughs> um, you know we just kept breaking stuff. Hey Tanner, how, uh, what what was the entry speed uh, going up into that loop? What what, what speed did you guys? 52.5. That's it, huh? Wow, that's that, kind that of slow. That's it. I know. I didn't. I didn't. Ah, I, I I saw this. You know, like 19 and a half year old engineer come out with his laptop and say, <laughs> "Yep, 52.5." We're like, bullshit. Yeah, I think we're going to just go with you... the 1.21 gigawatts and said, that's exactly what we're going to need to go here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I, I threw him the keys, said, go for it. Let's see it. And um, I had a little remote control car. Okay. So in all honesty, and not to make too long a story out of this, but in all honesty, we had a remote control full-size car made out of a Mitsubishi to do the loop first. Just oh. to prove the concept. Okay. Um, the RC driver guy who who drove this thing, he got on there, went to the loop. He he ended up hitting a little bit of a guardrail before he got to the actual loop, which slowed the car down enough that it didn't make it. Ooh. It went up, it fell to its roof, and oh, for man. sure killed everybody inside. Yeah. So that was, oh, that was everybody's like Wednesday afternoon. So then, and this is all at El Toro, um, the El Toro Marine base. Right. Over, yeah. So, so then I, I happen to have a remote control car. So I, I like a Traxxas slasher that could do 60. Mm -hmm. So I pulled that thing out and we sent that one through the loop and it stuck. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, so we were all pretty comfortable. All right. Maybe they're right about the speed, maybe 52 and a half works. Mm -hmm. um so the next day greg and i rock paper scissored and i can't remember if he won or lost but he went first <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it looks but it was it uh, looks it looks actually 
slow. You know, it's not that fast. I mean, I, it's kind of amazing it was, that it's stuck. It was 6.8 Gs. Yeah. Wow. That, wow. that would have stuck. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was in, in order to, because they wanted the loop to be a circle and not an ellipse, like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to be a circle, you know, you, you had a peak G in the very first part and the very last part, but and then up at the top, you needed to try to get one G. Mm-hmm. So in order to have one G when you were upside down, you had to get 6.8 Gs on the entry. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nasty. Yeah. Well, hey, well, Tanner, hey, we can, uh, we can uh, keep on going forever, but I know you have yeah, a, good, good a hard stop. Um, tell us uh, what what's going on right now. I mean, I, you, we just saw this this video you did for Porsche. Um, you know, what, what's your racing yeah. schedule look like? What's, what's up right now? Mm, well, uh, it's, so this video actually we shot in Finland last year, this was right before COVID shot it in February of 2020. Wow. And, um, it was a fun thing with customer racing. And then I'm also, uh, coincidentally racing an, uh, 718 club sport GT4 at Pikes peak this year. Oh, nice. Um, as part of Jeff's warts program, Jeff does a program where he coaches guys. And so that'll be super cool. Oh, that's cool. This was an amazingly fun video to, to make. I mean, I love driving on ice, obviously working at the ice driving school. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things to do. Can't wait for my daughter to try it out tomorrow. Oh, that's going to be awesome. But, um, it's going to be so cool. Uh, so we have a couple plans ready for Volkswagen. Volkswagen still has some exciting stuff going on, even though they're, um, we're not racing the beetle anymore because it doesn't get produced. Uh, the, we are going to be doing stuff with some of their electric cars. So there's, cool. there's, will be some news coming in the next month or so about some of our plans with that stuff. Right. Um, it's there, we've had, we've had a lot of plans. I mean, it's been no secret Volkswagen going completely electric for yeah. a long time. And so we had a lot of cool plans before COVID hit and, um, you know, working across the ocean with in the COVID world really put the pause on a lot of our stuff. So a lot of other kind of companies and brands have been able to do some cool electric things that we missed out on. So we're, we're ready to jump in the game bigger than ever. And cool. um, so, yeah, looking, looking forward to that and um, some new partnerships coming up. So it's still mm-hmm. cranking and uh, yeah. even without the Rallycross championship, but uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what, what happens for 2022. Um, hoping for some some more electric racing in 22. That's, That's awesome. cool. That's cool. Well, you have your boat and your plane now, so I guess you've made it now, right? You're you're uh... <laughs> fixing lots of shit. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. That's right. I need to change the oil on the plane. Um, no, there's a... <laughs> uh, no. It's uh, did you say made it? Yeah, like That's you funny. know the race See, because there's guys. always a you know there's always a bigger <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> My plane is a tractor with little stubby wings that poke out the side. <laughs> I adjust my air mixture as I climb. Those guys are, you know, G4s and G5s. But yes, thank you. That's nice of you to say. Um, the uh, I <clears throat> I really have found a passion in flying. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, something that I always wanted to do. And when I mm-hmm. when I first was when I was in college in Boulder. Mm-hmm. I worked for an inventor who invented amusement rides and he okay. had planes and aerobatic planes. And I know Taro, you and I have talked about this before, but that's really that he was the guy that kind of got me thinking as an entrepreneur, like, let's do what is the most fun yeah. for a living. Yeah. And, um, 
I never did get an hour towards a license then, but once mm-hmm. Top Gear finished, you know, we filmed Top Gear like 150 days a year. Yeah. And we did 750 days of shooting uh, more than that in six years. It was a, it was a lot of filming. Yeah, that's a full and, and racing a full championship in Europe and a full championship in the US mm-hmm. and raising a daughter. It was like it was a busy time. So once Top Gear ended, I was like uh, the day after, literally the day after the last shoot day, I started getting my pilot's license. And it's been a it's been a great extra layer to life. Yeah, that's awesome. Um flying around. and uh and learning to fly and using it for business Mm -hmm. and i think we may be one of the last generations that has this kind of freedom i mean you literally just go to the airport fire up your little flat six Mm -hmm. and fly wherever you want you don't really have to tell anybody what you're doing where you're going it's an amazing amount of responsibility and freedom Mm -hmm. and um it does make your for me my size plane it makes you know southern the southern southwest part of the country a lot smaller anyway yeah, you get to be the guy that shows up at work like, yeah, I just flew in, right? <laughs> I never say that because you cannot not be a dickhead if you are the one that flew to work. Just just an FYI, if you get to a pilot's license and a small plane, you never say that you flew to work. Sam, be careful. Warning, Sam. It's a warning. Very fair warning. I don't fly myself. I have people fly. Yeah, see? That's, a, that's the next level. Yeah, yeah, you can exactly. say, oh, yeah, my... Oh, my pilot needs to be home, so exactly. I should go. All right, yeah. well, Tanner, thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, joining us on our on our show. It's all downhill from from now for us, though. Thank you, Tanner. Well, well, well I'm going to tell Rutledge you said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be rooting for, for you sure when we see you on the other side of this COVID thing. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to to get into some cool stuff this year. I did a uh, uh, one side thing. I did drive the Golf Eight. R and GTI for a video the other day. And I know there's so many hardcore Volkswagen fans out there that are always worried when new cars come out and what a beast it's. um, uh, I mean, I'm even, I, I'm, I'm the biggest critic, right? I'm the biggest critic, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I get on the track and I push it hard, I can see all the compromises that the engineering and the marketing and the budgeting team had to make. Yeah. But, um, the the torque vectoring in the in the R is so phenomenal. It's on, it's just unbelievable. The sound and exhaust note of both cars, the tech that's in them, um, yeah, they, they did a they did a really good job. I know it took a long time to get these cars out, but um, yeah, they're they're a big step forward. Unfortunately, just driving down the road, a lot of it just looks like features and clean interior and lots of glass everywhere. Yeah. But if you get in a place where you can drive them hard, then you can really see the big advances. So hopefully cool. journalists cool. and consumers get to do some track days. Awesome. Can't wait to get in one then. Yeah, cool. All right. Thanks, Tanner. Thank you guys so much. All right, we'll be Thank checking. you, Tanner. Thanks, Tanner. Okay. Thanks. Talk see to you soon. See ya. Okay. Sam, are you going right. to do the blue one first? Say again. Oh. You can do the blue one first. Uh, you want me to go first? I have yeah, to ready. do the blue one. Uh, Come on, I thought, blue, I thought oh, the professionals the, uh, okay. like me yeah, are always prepared, Sam. A yeah, professional oh, is always prepared. prepared. You know, I, I got a surprise for you, just so I could uh, look. Oh, look at that. Seagal. Oh, my word. Steven Seagal oh, is in the house. Oh, if only he had a hooded jumper on, Taro. Where's if the carrot? He had a oh, hooded carrot. jumper. Where's the carrot? Okay, so now I could see. I was squinting <laughs> the whole time. I didn't want you guys to, like, uh, be a diss of me uh, in front of Tanner. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, Taro, where is the um, poll? How did the poll go in regards to a hatchback? 
Oh, we haven't run that. We just we just released the uh, that video like two days ago. So we'll uh, we'll get it up. We need to. The people have been asking me. They've been <laughs> wanting to know. Is, is a I skyline? Mean, <laughs> is a GTR a hatchback? Sam Matani says a GTR is a hatchback. That's the thing. Was it a GTR? That, no, it was something was... else. We were talking no. about something else. Yeah, it was, the, it was a Celica. Celica. He said the Celica was a hatchback. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're, yeah, it's 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 kind of in that gray area. Come on. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Come on, man. That, by that, you're talking a Porsche is a hatchback. A GTR is a hatchback. And you're like, everything with two doors and a boot's a hatchback. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to have a hatch in the back. A Porsche, a Porsche <laughs> doesn't have a hatch in the back. Okay. That's the name hatchback. Do you understand? Well, the GTR, you're telling me GTR is a hatchback. That's all I'm just going to say. We're just GTR does not have a hatch in the back. You it's said. Trunk. It's a trunk. Look, it's a, Sam, oh, I'm sorry. what, the, what it's a blue car are we talking about, Sam? What okay. are you going to... Okay, let's... let's. I think the you... blue car we're talking about is the uh, next-gen Subaru WRX STI. Okay. Is that correct, James? That's there correct. Okay, there we go. Well, uh, the next-gen WRX... S WRX STI could be the last pure gasoline engine mo uh, model uh, from Subaru uh, when it comes to the WRX because they may be going to hybrid, you know, especially with the, uh, you know, the Toyota, uh, Subaru Toyota relationship. Um, this car is expected to make its in intro uh, hit the market in the spring of 2022. So spring of next year. Next year, uh, yeah, next year, spring of next year. But we might get a peek at a prototype version at the Tokyo Motor Show this fall, if mm. there is a Tokyo Motor Show this fall. If there is one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what the status of the uh, Tokyo Olympics is. Is it is it a, is it a go or not? You know, I I don't think it's going to happen. You don't think so? Ooh. Unfortunately, I don't think I don't see it happening. I mean, how could they? I don't know. I don't know. They might right? try to force it. I mean, you know, sporting events are they're starting to, you know, like. Uh, Australian Open, you know, I mean, those, the tennis. Yeah, football, yeah, so. you're right. I mean, it is in what, July, August, August, I think it was first week of August or something like that. So yeah, maybe, so maybe they'll Olympics. have people vaccinated enough to, to throw it. But I mean, they have to make up their mind pretty soon, though. Yeah. Well, let's hope but there's anyways. a Tokyo Motor Show, right? This yeah. fall, too. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, what our ninja otakus are telling us is that this uh, new WRX STI, uh, the one that'll come out next year, will be a completely different car than it is now. Uh, yeah, the you know, judging by the, uh, the renderings here from uh, Best Car that uh, the car is gonna look familiar. It's gonna look like a WRX SDI, especially in that blue. Um, and a lot of the styling and a lot of the uh, visual cues will be left intact. Uh, but once you get behind the wheel, wheel this, they said this, is, this thing's gonna uh, drive completely different. Uh, this new uh, WRX STI will come powered by a variation of their F24 power plant. And that is the engine that's currently in the, uh, their Subaru Ascent SUV. And uh, it's not going to have an EJ20, you know, the flat four, uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, the WRX STI in Japan have been, you know, been famous for, for what, the last, I think, you know, tw so I think 20 what? or 30 years, you know. I mean, Why are they going to make this change? In the power because, plant. Uh, because it's going to be a lot more powerful. Uh, the Ascent, 
uh, the FA24, which is a 2.4 liter flat four, so thus the 24, uh, mm -hmm. produces 260 horsepower in the ascent. Um, but uh, this 260 horsepower ain't going to cut it for the WRX STI. So the engineers tuned the turbocharged 2.4 liter to 400 horsepower and 360 pound feet of torque. So the mm. the new WRX STI is going to be a four, is going to go into the 400 horsepower class, and um, that is a powerful powerful streetcar. Yeah, that's a powerful streetcar, and of course <laughs> it's size. And uh, not only the engine, I mean, the, 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 the pretty much the whole car is going to be all new. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it'll be built on the, their new SGP platform, which stands for, uh, oh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, it was, uh, yeah, bless you. Uh, sorry. Uh, you the new there. <laughs> I know I was going to, but uh, you guys could edit that out, I hope. Uh, I'm sure you guys won't, but uh, the STB <laughs> platform, the Supra Global platform, and the uh, their innovative uh, four wheel drive system, which uh, uh, called the symmetrical all wheel, uh, symmetrical four wheel drive, will be uh, adapted for this uh, new WR STI. So the car is going to be lighter stiffer than the current version and more powerful. Uh, we here, our Ninja Otakus, they're saying that the uh, curb weight's gonna be about 3,300 pounds. So that'll let this, uh, make, make the Subaru WRX STI go from zero to 60 in about uh, four to four and a half seconds. So it's gonna be very, very quick. Um, unfortunately, we hear the price of the car is gonna be a little higher, uh, maybe up to about the 45,000 mark. Uh, the current WRX STI in the US is, just under thirty nine, uh, just under forty thousand dollars, around thirty nine thousand dollars. But uh, the pricing is way too early to say for sure. So um, when this car comes out in the spring, uh, we hear March, so early spring of twenty twenty two, you can expect uh, it's going to come with a lot of power, a lot of pop, and it could be the last of its kind uh, for the Subaru brand. So, um, what do you guys think? It looks really similar to the current one, huh? especially yeah, from the they, back. Yeah, they said they're gonna. They want to keep it uh, looking the same as uh, the car that's out. Uh, the car that has been out for the last you know few years. They don't want to uh, change it too much, just because it has such a great following. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, I know so many people who are just big time WRX uh, fans. You know, uh, Rex, who used to work at uh, GT, yeah, he got he bought one. Yeah, so he's a you know he's a big Subaru WRX fan, so. Um, James, you are a rally guy from, uh, you know, from Britain, so. I mean, it, it looks, as Tara said, it looks very similar to the current uh, WRX. I mean, it seems... Is that a, a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, the styling for them, for the, the WRX, isn't really for me in regards to the sedan form. I like it as a hatchback, a true hatchback, uh, not a Samitani hatchback, if no, that no, makes a sense. a hatchback. That's a, hat, that's a true hatchback. Um, so this, it, it just, I mean, it makes sense to put the FA24 engine in there, which is like sort of an enlargement of the current FA engine that's in it. Mm -hmm. So, and if it's got to be realistically, it has to be up towards that horsepower mm -hmm. figure because yeah, I mean, it was it's sitting around 300 and some now, which is Camry range. So it doesn't want to be competing itself against a Camry. So it's got to go high. So 400 seems logical progression, the horsepower wars. So, I mean, it seems fine. It's not really for, for me or my thing, but I'm glad that Tara likes that's the important thing. Why, why isn't a... it for you? You, 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 just don't, you just don't like these kind of cars? No, I'd prefer, for example, we're talking about, um, you mentioned rallying, Sam, and I'm obviously going to go with my favorite at this moment in time, which is the Gazoo Racing from Toyota, the, the Aris. The Aris? Yeah, yeah that's the Aris is one. one European car of the year, too. So. 
yeah. It's, yeah. It's, so that's that, that's that's my one. That's my top of the mountain for me at this moment in time. The Subaru is obviously a compelling option, and I'm sure that if Subaru were to give me a press car to drive around in for a week, I might have some other opinions at this point. But I don't. <laughs> I haven't driven one recently, so uh, that's that's that. I feel like well, we got to get on them. So I like the old, uh, the smaller, the the sedan uh shape of their rally cars though actually to Me be too. honest with you i mean yeah. everyone everyone likes the 22b i mean yeah. i'm, I'm currently currently driving that in gran turismo at the moment competing oh, my yeah. way through the league so i did mean they, i do did they make the 22b available in the u.s uh, i think you can only buy it under the gray market oh okay okay um, i think from memory oh you mean the gran turismo that uh, i got you with, on the playstation 4 <laughs> that i got you uh, I believe it was a Gran Turismo that Taro got me oh, yeah, because okay, you okay. weren't able to deliver on that after you said you would. <laughs> but yes, you were the, also the one that was able to enable me to pay full market price from the PlayStation 4 that you said I was going to get for free. But yes, that's that's correct. Full, price, full market price. My God. So anyways, uh, just a note on the, uh, WRS, the WRX STI with their uh, symmetrical four-wheel drive. Probably a lot of people don't know exactly what it is, but with this symmetric four-wheel drive, uh, only Subaru really can do this because it, it does take the uh, flat engine and you mount it longitudinally. Uh, and, uh, and from the engine to the rear differential, everything is mounted in a straight line. So it's symmetrical, thus the name symmetrical four-wheel drive. So, uh, and the combination of the flat engine, the transmission, uh, balanced over the front axle, it provides optimum weight distribution with a low center of gravity. So this gives the car really improved handling characteristics and maximizes grip on all four tires. So uh, the symmetrical all-wheel drive is kind of a unique thing for Subaru, and it should make this WRX STI really, really um, flourish, you know, in this handling department. Uh, and by the way, Subaru has uh, a symmetrical four all-wheel drive on all of its cars that has a flat engine, uh, except the BRZ and its K car. So uh, yeah. it's kind of a cool thing. So we'll see that in the WRX STI. That'll be one of the things that'll kind of differentiate, of course, and being four-wheel drive, uh, differentiate it from the, uh, the BRZ. So I wonder if they'll have some like limited edition models, you know, coming out before this uh, this new version comes out because Subaru loves doing that kind of stuff you know I like I don't like... think so even though this is an all new WRX STI it, it's it's already you know it's, it's already coming out next it, you know I mean it's next spring year. right it's yeah, year, yeah so so yeah it's I don't think I don't think there's enough time for them to come out with a kind of a special 23b or whatever you know some kind of version like that so I think they could do a like a different like coloring on the panels and that kind of thing ah, something heavy. light like that yeah, yeah but not, not add heavy, bolt-ons you know? of sorts but yeah, yeah nothing so. too big and heavy okay so anyways uh thumbs up for me on the WRX STI thumbs up for Taro WRX STI and kind of a no you just said you didn't like it it wasn't no for i said, you. It's, you I, said it's not i said it wasn't for me but i still so like if it's car. not for you that's a thumbs down for you no <laughs> yes uh, it is don't put words in my mouth they're no, not I'm characteristics sorry. i like for okay that's a thumbs up okay okay so okay. you can still borrow cars they'll still let you drive their cars <laughs> i know that's all you, that's all you're worried about games i just want to be able to drive it sam to be fair and then i can give some proper feedback okay well anyways the next fair car enough. Uh, I'm going to talk about is one that dropped uh, just uh, this week or last week. Uh, mm -hmm. Lexus, uh, yeah. So Lexus just dropped this uh, this new high performance IS500 F Sport. Um, 
And these photos are the real deal. And they weren't created by our friendly artists at Best Car or, you know, uh, any any of those. Uh, um, no ninja? No ninja uh, work no, here? Uh, no, ninjas did not. Uh, ninjas did not. Yeah, create this. But these were supplied by Lexus, uh, the company itself, so or the brand itself. Um, despite being called the F Sport, which usually designates visual and chassis tweaks, but not engine tweaks, you know, this one goes all out with a new uh, engine, uh, un well, not a new engine, uh, 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 an engine upgrade. Um, under the hood is a naturally aspirated five liter V8 that'll spit out 472 horsepower and 395 pound-feet of torque. Uh, this is pretty much the same engine that you find in the RCF. Uh, why is this not in, uh, why is this car not the F. ISF? Right, that's a very good question. Right? That's a very good, and uh, that is one I, I cannot answer because I don't know, I don't know why, because <laughs> you're right, you know, it, traditionally when, they, when it has a huge engine upgrade and everything, they called it the ISF, right? Or yeah. an F without yeah. the sport, which is you right. know, always confused everyone. And yeah, right. like I said, just said, F sport usually means, you know, visual and um, chassis tweaks, right? So mm -hmm. I don't know, but they did call it the IS 500. So maybe who knows, is, do, do you think there might be another ISF in the making? Even like even more sportier than and yeah, high power than this thing. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. You know, James know. is uh, nodding, but you think something's coming? I yes, mean, this is pretty. To. This I, is pretty definitely, definitely. high performance, all right? Oh, yeah, it's it's very high performance. No, We're talking four hundred seventy-two horsepower in this small. Def you know, guaranteed, it's coming. Guaranteed, it's coming. So this might be uh, from James. Is uh, you know James is putting on his Otaku Ninja hat and saying. This is maybe a preview of what's to come in a real ISF, right, James? Agreed. Yes, yeah. definitely. And I you know what? I think there's a huge possibility of that. Uh, you know, we hear that they're coming up with the LCF also, mm -hmm. which we've reported here before. So, um, yeah, you know, who knows? Um, but for now, this IS IS 500 F Sport is uh, is going to be the uh, top of the line. Uh, um, car in this uh, in this lineup uh, for the IS, uh, you, you'll tell the IS 500 from the um, other cars because it has a much larger bulge on the hood, uh, mm -hmm. more muscular front and rear fenders, and the rear has a lip spoiler and a different diffuser. And you know what I love about it is those quad exhaust tips. That really kind of tells you the uh, you know kind of designates the uh, performance engine upgrade performance mm -hmm. of it. Um, this car is uh, expected to come out late this fall. I don't think Lexus has uh, said anything about when it's coming out, but our Ninja Otaku say it will be coming out this year. And we haven't heard anything about cost yet, but I've heard ranges from $60,000 to $70,000. So they'll you know, be going after Mercedes AMG and um, uh, um, the BMW Ms, you know, from- Yeah, this M is like M4 muscle car territory. Yeah, it's uh, it's 472 horsepower. So um, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a pretty it's going to be a beast. So mm -hmm. and naturally aspirated. You know, everyone's going the turbo routes these days, right? So mm -hmm. this one, you know, Lexus, Lexus, <laughs> yeah, Lexus is Lexus has been um, holding on to the you know nat naturally aspirated um, um, engine theme here. And you know, to tell you the truth, natu you know naturally aspirated. You know, you got better better low end torque, better you know better. Um, power delivery so you know like they say there's no 
replacement for displacement. And this thing, you know, five liters, it's, it's, it's a big engine. Less mileage. Only thing well, yeah, but I mean, you're not buying this car to if you save fuel, you know. Exactly. You so I think they're, hybrid, yeah, I mean, that's why they're going for it. You like it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like ISs. Um, they're a little and, small for me, but yeah. Yeah, I like the size. I, I think the GSs are a little little too big. Um, and the IS has grown in size too throughout the years, right? Yeah, I've always well, liked that. Every car has kind of, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this, this is like, this 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 car is probably as big as what an LS used to be, you know, back in the day. Uh, maybe not but, quite, um, but yeah, you're getting kind of close though. You are. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what um, do you think about the looks? Do you like the looks? I like the looks. Yeah. Mm. I like the looks. Actually, I, I think I like it better than the previous uh, version. It's previous IS. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think previous version is a good looking car. The quad, the exhaust is, uh, is pretty cool. Exhaust is nice. Yeah. Cool. The, the, so. the front, you know, the, yeah, that's, I mean, it's super aggressive. Is this a car you would, uh, you would, uh, you would um, uh, um, seriously consider over, uh, let's see, what would it be, an M, M, M3 or a uh, AMG C-Class? Um, yeah, I think I would consider it. Yeah, I think I would seriously consider it. I would too, definitely. Yeah. I would too. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a kind of a German car guy. And yeah, I, I definitely would too. So, um, James, I think that well, I'd consider it because you know how much I like driving the the Lexus, and it is as you point out the only one with naturally aspirated V8 in this segment now, the last remaining one. Exactly, um, all it makes, the other ones are turbocharged. It makes very much common sense to me that you could charge this one and then do an ISF version of this. You could easily make some adaptions to the front, especially underneath the splitter underneath, to make it look a little sportier. You could definitely make it instead of it being the black. You could change it to the matte piecings there with the plastic. You could give the the carbon wheels in regards to the look of them. James, to change James that. you're already you're already building the IS ISF. Yeah, <laughs> that's what and he's And then doing. you put a bigger wing on the back. Um, you obviously need to anodize like they do in the current ISFs now. You anodize the top mount underneath the plastic there, yeah. and then you just change the stitching on the inside with a different colored leathers, and there you go. Twenty five thousand dollars more. Give it another fifty horsepower. Done. Sold. Same engine. Same engine. Uh, you just have to bump the horsepower a little bit, but yeah, yeah same engine. Just turn the engine. Uh, yeah. yeah. Totally doable. Uh, we'll we'll see if uh, I haven't heard anything from the Ninja Otakus, but if uh, if they do say, hey, James is Mr. Jameson is absolutely right. He was he was on the ball before us. They might recruit recruit you, man. You might be the first uh, Caucasian oh. Otaku Ninja in their gang. <laughs> Uh, well, Adam, I'm going to be happy to be in your friend's gang, Sam. That's all I'll say about that. They all seem very cool to me, even though you speak otherwise of them. But I think they're all very nice indeed. Oh, I don't speak otherwise of them, but <laughs> you're trying to get me in trouble now. Look, anyways, you don't talk about them at all, Sam. I know that's what I say. I think they're wonderful folks. So I, it looks like James is a thumbs up. I'm a thumbs up. Taro thumbs up. So yep. looking forward for these, this car to come up. I think the $60,000 price range, you know, around there, I think if they keep it there, they'll be in pretty good shape. Uh, if that starts creeping up 70 to 80, I think it'll be a, a harder sell for this segment car. So, yeah. Okay. So there thumbs up for me. That's my segment. All right. Who who are we? Uh, who's who's going? James. To sure. I'm happy to talk about um, the latest review. I was going to show talk about the car that I had the pleasure of reviewing. Let me just pull my up. car. Yeah, your car. <laughs> 
Darren, you could even probably talk about this review and talk about it more than me. So it was the 2021 uh, Toyota 4Runner Trail Edition is the car that I had the pleasure of spending a week with. Um, now, Taro, I think you know a little bit about these, do you not? The scar? Yeah. 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 What would you what do you say about the Forerunner and your experience with the Forerunner? Oh, I love it. It's uh, yeah. I, oh yeah, I love it. I love this car. I have not, no complaints about it. I have the um, TRD off-road version. So you know, there's the um, SR5 group, and then they have the this new one, right? This is the trail version. I think that's a, a separate uh, like group of Forerunner. Yeah, segment. Yep. And then there's yep. and then there's a TRD uh, segment. Within TRDs, they have the TRD Pro, TRD Off-Road, and, and stuff like that. But um, I'm really interested to hear um, how you liked uh, this uh, the trail version. Well, I'll be very honest and say, honestly, driving it, it's not the best driver. I mean, it's a car, a platform that came out, what would you say? Is it came out in 2010, if you keep me honest here, Tara, in regards to when they lasted the refresh on the Forerunner? Uh, probably. Yeah, so yeah. I felt, I, I do feel... I mean, you're driving this car around. It if you put the brakes on, you go on forward, you go on back. Yeah, but it's a left, it's a frame right. on. You know, it's the body on frame. It's no, like, no, no. I understand that. You know, but but <laughs> whenever you get the keys out, I will. So whenever you get the keys out, pull the door and you open it up and you're ready to go. You're like, look, I'm just gonna get in my forerunner. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna head to the beach, I'm going to get on the sands, I'm going to drive on the sands, I'm going to go off the sands, I'm going to go up a mountain, I'm going to go down a mountain, I'm going to go across a river, I'm going to go on some, you can go, and you just feel like you can go, you can anywhere. go anywhere. Exactly. You can go anywhere in this car, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, for example, I would say, whereas most of the time I talk about them, say it's great to go to the shops and it's just nice, comfortable ride around town. This one, I'd say, this is really for someone that likes the outdoor life. Um, yeah. That's really where I think it's really focused. If you like going outside, you like uh, to so and do things adventurous kind of thing it's great i mean it comes with the the roof rack there from yakima which was very mm -hmm. nice um it also the other thing that i liked about it it comes with this fantastic cooler in the back there that's great really really yeah. wow i like that the shelf pulls out here as well that you've got in the yeah. back there so that yeah, was good i got, you can yeah, actually, I got use it as, actually use it as a seat which i thought was kind of fun yeah. um inside i mean i thought it was very utilitarian is the best way mm -hmm. to describe it. It wasn't, for example, as high end as some of the, it wasn't as fancy as say, for example, the Toyota RAV4 Prime that I was just in a couple of weeks ago or two months ago, mm -hmm. but it was perfect for what you'd want for an outdoor vehicle. It seemed, everything seemed very cleanable in there. If you're gonna get it muddy, you can sort of clear it all out and make it clear. Um, but I mean, as you know, Taro, probably its biggest Achilles heel I'd say is it's not the most economical vehicle to go and drive yeah. around mm -hmm. so you do have to do a lot of stops at petrol stations and the like but as long as you can go out and go anywhere and like hit any trails you want absolutely fantastic i will say that i mean i could climb any curb i came to and feel no problems whatsoever when i was out <laughs> any, driving this around any stuff. hollywood curb any hollywood curb i got and, but i also one other good thing about this is i'd be driving this around town and other people in other trucks would give me the thumbs up because they liked it. And I think yeah, that's yeah. always a good sign for a good car. So um, what kind of uh, oh, all-wheel drive, uh, sorry, Sam, what kind of all-wheel drive uh, features are there? Are, are there all the features of like, you know, the the uh, the, the, the stuff on the top, on the uh, above the, uh, the, the mirror too? 
uh, yeah the, the adjusting of the going you know no, the that's uphill that's, downhill all that so kind that's of stuff? all next to the console down at the bottom now so they've moved that to the oh really console. okay yeah yeah so it's down in the middle um but it is the the four liter uh v6 with the part-time four-wheel drive is the one that i was getting mm. specked out with and it, i don't okay. think it seems any point to get the two-wheel drive one it seems i don't really understand why you would um but yeah. it's got the active traction control and things like that involved mm. um I mean, the one that I had spec'd out uh, came in just shy of 42,000 um, for the vehicle itself. But I, I mean, I, I don't think that's, it's obviously in these times, especially in the last year, if you wanted to go places, that seems like a practical solution. It's very comfortable. Obviously, air conditioning works great. Everything, there's enough power ports to charge everything, all the important things that you need now. And it looks cool. I mean, I got it in this color. It looks good. The wheels look good with it, with the TRD wheels that it comes with. Um, you get, obviously, the TR I had the TRD, like, splash plate at the front, um, which looks good as well. So I thought it was a good little package. I was all about go it. Ahead, See, there's Sam. the cooler. I, I cut you off, Sam. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. He answered. He actually answered the question for me because I was going to ask him what, what was the engine inside. So yeah. he oh, just okay. said it was a four-liter six, yeah. six. So, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think they could rework the engine. I mean, it's making four liter V6 is making 270 horsepower. Mm -hmm. So definitely not going anywhere fast in this, which I think leads, especially around town, start stoplights, traffic lights, things like that, the, the jerking forwards and backwards a little bit, especially when you drive it like a race car. Um, mm -hmm. I think you could get a lot more horsepower in the engine, but then it's like, how much do you want to throw at it when it's already selling so well, already working so well? It's those practical trade-offs, you know? Did yours have the moon roof? Uh, no, it, it did it not. It had the regular it. sunroof. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but it, for, but it does have a sunroof, though. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. I like um, those wheels. Actually, no, maybe I'm lying. I, I think I'm lying, Taro. Or it didn't have the sunroof. So I apologize. Well, for 42 grand, I think it's a lot, of, a lot of vehicle there, you know? Especially if you want something off-road. Yeah. Something big, that big, you know? It doesn't I mean, have third-row seating, does it? Uh, no, this one doesn't. It's got the the tray. Yeah, it's got the tray there in the back. Yeah. So it's you can tray, stack yeah. everything you want in there. So if you wanted to put surfboards in there, uh, if you wanted to haul stuff from IKEA, then it's perfect for things like that because everything goes <laughs> down. Everything goes down flat. So that was nice. When the seats go down, it matched with the tray, so it was yep. all flat in the back. So it was good. So if you wanted to sleep in it, you could sleep in it. It'd be comfortable enough uh, and flat enough in the back there. So it was, yeah, I, I've slept in the back of my car just uh, diagonally. Um, even with the tray there, it's uh, well, when you're uh, when you're when your wife kicked you out of the house, yeah, yeah, no. in the in the yard. <laughs> no, did you go in the so driveway? Where did you, you go? You take this in camping, Taro? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I when I took it camping, uh, one time it was just like a one night surf trip, and I didn't want to bother you know pitching a tent or anything, so I just slept in my car. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, and super comfortable. Have you found you've had any problems getting it anywhere, Tara, or you've had no problems when you've taken on your off-road expeditions? Because obviously your experience is far longer no, than mine no. for the week. I mean, I haven't taken it like, you know, aggressive rock climbing or anything, but, uh, you know, just taking it off-road or, you know, going up, uh, you know, some sand duny places, yep. or I've, I've taken it near, uh, you know, um, uh, what's that, uh, what are those trails? Outside, yeah, Joshua Tree. I've taken it to Joshua Borrego. Tree. Uh, yeah, Borrego Springs, you know, uh, and off uh, California City around around that area too. Uh, they but have I'm, some trails up there. I mean, it's a classic silhouette, is what I think is holds the appeal. The colors that they're putting out there, releasing with the new colors and bringing those into it, I think suit this car really well. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think the duo that the wheels look really good. As yeah, you, as I great. said, you can go everywhere with it any way you want to go, and it just makes it accessible and easy. I just felt like if I wanted to put it in four wheel drive and go up a dune, I could just click the button and do it. And I've got no real experience in doing that, but I felt a lot more confident in this than I would in anything else. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, why fix something that really, really works well? Exactly. I mean, this this thing just so utilitarian but yep. i mean it's uh mm. you know it's it's just everyone's favorite yeah. <laughs> you know for for like overlanding or off-roading yeah i mean and yeah. you can see why it's it's just very easy to make do with everything in there it's just i so love bold. this uh i love this cooler though man i want I know the cooler was really cool literally <laughs> i mean i, literally I cool. want one of those yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like the I like the roof rack as well. I was like, if I needed the extra space in the top with the roof rack, it was super yeah. handy. It was already yeah. Open. Look at that. You have your sleeping bags for you and the wife and uh, and Kiwi. I was thinking more for uh, Sam, Taro, <laughs> and James, but that's just me. I mean, I was thinking it was. Uh, I, I, I don't do camping. Hot speed road trip. There we go. <laughs> uh, I'll be staying at the hotel. That's it. That's what I thought though. Afterwards, I was like, no, Sam's not. And then Sam wouldn't let me drive either. So it's like he'd take yeah, his own car. Not. Yeah, and then probably. we have to go like to a fancy, it have to be the Ritz or somewhere <laughs> like that for Sam. No, so it doesn't the Four Seasons. Yeah, it would be nice, but yeah. No, see, yeah. that's just a given. It would be nice means that's where my standby nah, yeah, I'll just follow you guys in my uh, uh, Lexus GX 460 luxury. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need the Ritz. I mean, the Marriott will do. Yeah. Only if it's a JW Marriott. JW Marriott. Yeah. That's the only one. But uh let's and not then, get carried away here, buddy. And then obviously <laughs> when it comes to the sport, the motorsports and everything, we're seeing the Formula One cars beginning to get released now. We have, Martin. I love it. Yeah, they've had the Alpine, they've had Mercedes. So uh, I think the drives are gonna be in um uh, Bahrain next week right. and ahead of the Grand Prix and getting in preparation for that. So it'll be interesting to see where all the teams are in regards to their times and standings. So that's going to be the, where the future lies. And we'll talk about that next time. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Taro, what do you got? I have just one thing. So you guys, um, all our viewers have heard about uh, the earthquake that hit Fukushima oh, uh, about two weeks one, ago. A couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new one, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was like almost on the one a 10 year anniversary of the Fukushima earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another earthquake uh, about two weeks ago and right. it, uh, it devastated one of um, Drifting's uh, right. uh, favorite, um, uh, you know, legendary World. location. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, called Ebisu Circuit. Yeah. Uh, they got waylaid by this, uh, um, what, what is this? Uh, mudslide? Landslide, I guess. Yeah, yeah mudslide, landslide. Basically the the, the earthquake uh, basically cracked the, the the foundation of the the mountain that they're on, and uh, half of the mountain just slid right onto the track, and uh, it it uh, caused some severe damage to the track. And um, I don't know if you guys have been uh, following on uh, Ebisu Circuit and and uh, Kuma Kubo-san on um, Facebook and Instagram, but uh, they they're really really devastated. Um, our guy, uh, Robbie Nishida, who does uh, some of our videos uh, for us, he's visiting today. He's going to take some pictures uh, and do some video um, uh, to go uh, help out and just film uh, the, the damage. But uh, they're um, running this campaign uh, to make donations to help uh, ABC rebuild. Um, I've seen like, um, 
the comments on, on social media, like, well, I'm sure they can do it themselves or whatever. I mean, everybody needs help at times like this. Um, it's pretty devastating. So yeah. I urge you guys, if you have the means, um, anything would can. help. Yeah. So if, if you, you can, can, yes, exactly. Uh, if you have the means, if you can um, help out, uh, if you can't donate, uh, share it, you know, sharing is free. So share, share the information, uh, get the, get the information out there. Um, Ebisu is a, um, you know, it's an iconic spot for, for, for drifting and Japanese motorsports, uh, especially grassroots Japanese motorsports. So, um, let's, uh, let's try to support these guys as much as much as possible. And, uh, I want to see these guys, uh, up and running as soon as possible. Sounds good. Okay. Um, yeah, besides that, um, I'm, I'm good right now. GT channel is, is a little bit on, uh, on the YouTube side. We're taking a little break, uh, while we, uh, um, plan our 2021 season, uh, but mm -hmm. the new video should be coming out, uh, shortly. Um, the pod speed stuff is, you know, going on strong, uh, next week, uh, oh, in two weeks, we have, um, uh, Chip Pankow from, uh, Robo Race. So that should be a really interesting one. You know, the Robo Race is the, the AI powered, uh, race cars, uh, the unmanned autonomous, uh, racing that, that, that goes on. Uh, they have a, a big season ahead. So, uh, I'm really interested to see, uh, what, what they have planned. Yeah, that so would be awesome. Yeah, that's kind of the, the future of, uh, of of racing. Might be, right? Sam, well, you know Chip, hope, right? Let's hope not. I, I Yeah, I've uh, I've run into him a couple times, so yeah. yeah. Hopefully yeah. you apologized when you ran into him, Sam. Well, I didn't literally run into him. but Oh, I thought that's what it meant. <laughs> oh, no. That's you, James. That's you <laughs> in a car. So. Okay, perfect. Well, anyways, that does it for another exciting, exciting episode of Podspeed. Number That's 39. Episode, hey, yeah. our next one will be number 40. So it's kind of a nice round number we yep. will have. Uh, we we got to do something for our 50th, right? It's got to be some kind of celebratory oh, Maybe we can actually, maybe by 50, we can actually do it together. Well, together, yeah, live, yeah, without <laughs> No, no, James no, it's much just like James, this doing James, the PJs. James is too comfortable. James is going to stay, stay home. I'm going to stay, it'll just be me in the bedroom like this, uh, and you the, guys could the, be there. So the white, James in his, that bedroom his white is going to be the most famous white the bedroom ever. It's just so white. I mean, wow. I mean, I, I, I don't think I could sleep in that thing. It's just so, too white. It's too pure. Is that, well, is that a... Is that a reflection of you, James? Just the uh, it, it is. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, this is why I don't understand why you give me all this grief about driving cars when obviously all these thighs that you talk about have never happened. We'll have to settle this on the Gran Turismo racetrack, Sam, when Gran Tur the next version comes out. Oh, absolutely. You should come over. I have a sled, you know? I have hey, a, uh, Sam, what's a, going on with the Gran Turismo Championships? Are they still doing that virtually? Yeah, they're doing it virtually. They're going to start again. The season starts again, and they're going to start doing it uh, virtually. But uh, as events go, um, nothing has been announced yet, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, so that's, that's, that's where it is. You know, the last World Championship was held, uh, what was it, in November, I think? And, you know, Japanese uh, guy named Takuma Miyazono just dominated. Uh, Igor Fraga was there, you know. Wait, wait, uh, November meaning 2020 November or 2019 November? 20. Wait, where are we in? Uh, 20, 20, uh, 2020. 2020. Oh, like, like yeah, four it, months it, ago. Yeah, four or five months ago. Yeah, they okay. did it virtually. Yeah, so, oh, I see. Okay. so they, they, did, they did have a world champion. So, yeah, the next season starts pretty soon. So, 
Okay. So, so yeah. So, but you know, not 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 with events. So anyone who's actually interested in participating, you know, and they have they have some skills, they have some mad skills with the uh, with the with the buttons or the um, okay. steering wheel. You know, <laughs> you know uh, go to like uh, grandturismo.com and check out when all those things are happening. All you need is an internet connection and you know a PlayStation console like the one James, uh, the one I got James. So. When's, when the I new, for. when's the new one coming out, Sam? That, that Do you know, you know when what? the new GT is coming out? New GT probably sometime this year. I don't you know. Are, well, you know what would be really good, Taro, is if, if I got a copy of that to review so then I could talk about it. I mean, maybe we could talk to someone about them that happened. So well, anyways, you need the new PS, so you need uh, PS5. Oh, I, I believe one of the callers, uh, one of us can make that happen for me. And make I it. don't know. I, I don't know who. I, I've done all I can already, James. I've done all I can. Now it's for you to use your, it, it's, it, it's time for you to go out there, James. <laughs> and go out there in the real world. I, I've done enough. I've nurtured you. Look, Sam, we'll only find it out once I've once raised. I beat you on the racetrack. That's the, I think that's going to be the cutting, the decisive. On point the real racetrack or on the Gran Turismo racetrack? They're both real to me. Oh, um, they're both real answer. to me. Good both answer. close to my good heart answer. and real to me. Good answer. <laughs> I know they're different to you, but to me, they're a bit different. One the same. Me. I'm a little better on the real one than I am on the virtual one. But hey, I'll, I'll practice though. I will practice. If if maybe we'll do that on the fiftieth. Tarl, we'll have like kind of a Gran Turismo showdown on like the Nurburgring or something, you know? Okay. I mean, I need to, I need to get a copy then. Well, I know. Well, you, <laughs> you, you, you know the guys there. So anyways, okay. Well, that All right. does it for us. Thank you for uh, watching and listening and we will see you in a couple weeks till then. Pop speed. See you Thank later. You. See Bye. You later. Bye.